You're listening to the Type 1 Run Podcast. Leave no ones behind. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 17 of the show. Today on the show, I have the Type 1 Run Dallas chapter leader, Jordan Hosey. From black belts and karate to medical school, me and Jordan had an amazing conversation. On top of talking about diabetes and running, we talk a little bit about at the end, her experiences with the 670G and auto mode. And a little bit before that, we talk about her experiences on Beyond Type Run and what it was like running the New York City Marathon. One quick caveat to the show, Jordan and I did talk a little bit about how the Beyond Type Run application window was open and that they were accepting applications for the New York City 2018 marathon team. But unfortunately, that window is already closed. So I was a little slow in getting this episode to you guys. I'm so sorry. And without further ado, here's my interview with Jordan. Jordan, what's up? Sweet. How's it going? Good. Um, today's my rest day, so I'm not running, and I define something either, to do with my time. I feel like I saw you posting about running today. Was that yesterday? So I posted about yesterday's run today because I <laughs> saw it on my phone and I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad about that. Sometimes I'll like take a picture or something, and I'll be like, ah, I should post that, but then I don't. Yeah. In terms of creating like good content for like Instagram, I'm probably not that great at it. There's plenty of more yeah. people who are willing to show way more skin that'll get way more likes than I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. I don't know how people who do it um, kind of full-time do it. I don't think I have that in me. Do you think there's full-time diabetic Instagrammers? I think so. Like um, Glitter Glucose, that's what she does. <laughs> full-time? I assume I see people like that and I think surely they have another job. Yeah, so I think she quit her day job recently to pursue like dia blogging full time. I, I, I might be wrong here. I don't want to like speak for her, but well, glitter and glucose, give us a hashtag shout out if that's true because yeah. I don't know. <laughs> We're all curious how we can live that life, you know? Just exactly. You know? I think she does other like diabetes advocacy work. It's not like it's oh just yeah. In- well, but- I mean, what's funny is that you could really call any public display of diabetes diabetes advocacy you know what i mean so it's like real. i feel like every type one is an advocate at some level you know regardless i think probably the worst advocate is jay cutler because he never talks about it and he could i know, <laughs> you know? yeah i um i so i'm in med school and i rotated on the pediatric endocrine service and there were a bunch of teenage boys who were diagnosed and i was like you know jay cutler is type 1 diabetic right and they had no idea which is such a shame yeah and they will um, continue to learn nothing else about that you know right exactly what's funny i actually i've, I've sent stuff out to his publicist i've never heard anything back but one day he's going to be on the diabetic Run yeah, podcast. so exactly uh, where where am i calling you today from I know you're in Texas. I want to say. I'm in Texas. Yeah. So tell us about um, being there. What's the weather like? It, it's actually pretty nice. It, I have no idea what the temperature is. I'm bad at guesstimating, but it is like a good spring day. Um, we had a few weeks of like really intense thunderstorms and rain. I had to cancel a type one run event because it was lightninging like crazy. Yeah. Um, and but since those storms, it's been like really like nice and mild. And I was almost too hot on my run yesterday. Um, did you reschedule the event? I, I did, yeah. So we had it. Um, I rescheduled it for a couple weeks ago. So it was like ten days ago now. Um, it was cool. I had to reschedule it for like a weekday evening, um, just because of my own schedule. Yeah. And so a lot of the um, kind of weekend warrior type one runners that I've been talking to in Dallas weren't able to make it. Um, but a lot of my med school classmates were able to, including like one of my. Um, 
type one diabetic classmate. So that was cool. Yes. And y'all had pump pitchers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say um, it's like in front of a lake or something like that. I saw it. Yeah. I threw you a like. Um, that was- Oh, cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, that was why we had to cancel it when it was lightning because you can't run lightning around a lake. <laughs> I mean, you could. You could. It would be a really bad idea. Uh, I'd probably run in worse conditions than lightning that I that I shouldn't have. Yeah. There's a while yeah, in college where I only ran in the rain. Like, if it was running, I would specifically go out and run. Where did, where did you go to college that it was raining that often? The University of Tampa. Oh, okay. That's fair. I went to college in L.A., so it never rained. We're in L.A.? Uh, USC. USC. Did you know yeah. Craig? Like, did you and Craig go to the school? I don't. I feel like Craig's older than we are. He's, How old are yeah, you? Yeah. So he he makes fun of me for being um, a recent graduate, but um, I did not know him there. Um, he only recently found out that I went to USC. Actually, he was like, "Wait, what?" Um, yeah, Craig and I might be older. I think Craig's a little bit older than me, and I, okay. I might be a little older than you. Yeah, I the, am. So this is the perfect segue into okay. Jordan. <laughs> I'm going to give you the floor and you could talk to us about, you know, getting diagnosed with type one, who you are, where you're from, you know, why are you on the podcast? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a very broad topic. It really is, but I'm going to put you on the spot and just let you talk for like five minutes here while I okay. sip on this Gatorade to treat a low. Sounds good. Um, so I am Jordan. I am 24 years old. I am originally from Southern California. I live in Texas now. Um, I was diagnosed with diabetes in Southern California when I was 12. Um, I So I grew up, my dad was the marketing director for Medtronic Diabetes growing up. Um, so like for the seven years before I was diagnosed, I would like go to work with him and like see kids in pumps and like go to the JDRF walk and things like that. Cause he had to man the booth. Um, so what when I went up to like my- that just seems unlikely. Yeah. It's kind of weird. And, um, yeah, like he was like friends with Nicole Johnson and like his best friends like invented Medtronic's like first insulin pump. And like, it was just kind of weird. I was like, there's pictures of me when I was seven posing with infusion sites. Cause he needed stock photos for ads. Cause he was a marketing guy. Um, Wait, so this was your, but I you said your dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I wasn't diagnosed till I was 12. And so of course when I was 12 and I went up to my mom and I was like, Hey, you know, I like to get up to pee a lot. Um, she was like, okay, don't eat any carbs. We're going to go to the doctor. Um, and it was a very like anticlimactic, uneventful diagnosis. My blood sugar was like two thirty. I wasn't a DKA. Um, yeah. I went to the Indo's office and he was like, oh, hey, like take a shot of insulin, go get a burger for lunch and come back. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that was kind of been, I feel like in a lot of ways that kind of set me up for a really good mindset um, towards like managing my disease and being like, like okay, a, like, it wasn't a scary. Exactly. Yeah. And my dad said to me on that day, he was like, you know, like, this isn't like an obstacle. It's just an inconvenience. Um, so you, you've been type one way longer than I have, and you've probably heard tons of more diagnosis stories, but it seems like everyone has a really close connection to diabetes and just mm-hmm. doesn't know it. And like when they get diagnosed, it's like so obvious, like, um, you know, I had Alexis Hopman on, and her mm-hmm. grandpa was an endocrinologist at like the Mayo Clinic or Cleveland Clinic or something like that. And like I found a lot of story. Everyone's got like that one really yeah. close connection to type one. And I mean, so maybe it's just the people that I that. interview. It's probably just the maybe. people that I interview. Yeah, you self-select. Um, but I mean, also it's kind of a thing where you know, like when somebody goes, "Oh, have you heard of this thing?" 
and you're like, no, I've never heard this song. I've never heard of this person. And then suddenly you start seeing them everywhere. Like when you're looking for the connections, they're there. And so when you don't know about diabetes, those connections aren't there. And then once you like get diagnosed or you hear about it, you're like, oh, wait, like, you know, type 1 diabetes is a relatively common illness. Um, I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. And so, so you used to run when you were a kid, though. I did, yeah. And I, so I found I that, I feel like one of your posts I got real stalky into, and then I was like trying to learn <laughs> as much as I could about your running yeah. history. And so talk to me a little bit about that. And I yeah. don't think, did you run after that diagnosis or had you already started running like maybe a little prior to 12? I, I know everyone runs, but like running mm -hmm. for distance. Right. So I was diagnosed in middle school and at my middle school in California, we had like every Wednesday was run day. Um, and that was kind of my first introduction to distance running. Cause basically for like 45 minutes, they would just kind of make us run laps around the school. at like ad infinitum. And I really, really liked it. And it was really cool. And I remember like I was diagnosed the week before seventh grade started. And like that same week, I was like still doing run days. Um, that was when I learned that your blood sugar goes low a few hours after you exercise. That was like one of my first ever low blood sugars was like yeah. six hours after a PE run day at school. Um, but then we moved to Texas when I was 13 and I quit like doing karate. I'd done karate and like earned a black belt and I didn't have that anymore. When Wait, we you were a 13 year old black belt? Yeah, it was. It sounds, it sounds like, I don't know. It's like too much. Um, that's but, a thing. I didn't, I, you got to pump the brakes real quick. Cause I didn't know yeah. that you could be a black belt in a third. I'm visualizing like people that are black belts are like, look like Dwight Schrute, you know, but yeah, I mean, kind of, um, <laughs> No, I started, I did, um, Buddha Hijutsu from when I was seven. Um, and then I got my black belt, um, like right before my diagnosis. Um, and yeah. Um, but then I kind of, I kind of kept up with the diagnosis. Um, it was, you know, I kind of was like petering off, um, kind of naturally from it. And then, um, we moved and I just didn't. I tried to reestablish it. Like, like there was people who knew my karate instructors where we moved in Texas, but yeah. I didn't really like them. I didn't really gel with the dojo. And so I just kind of like quit and started distance running. Just at 13, you became, I'm guessing what cross country or track. Um, yeah. So I ran at home for like the first few months and then freshman year of high school, I really wanted to join cross country and track, but there was like, this whole deal was like, we had just moved to the school district and they weren't letting me go to the nearby high school. They were shipping me like an hour away. And so my parents were like, I'm not going to drive you, you know, like an hour away at four in the morning to run cross country. And so somehow I found out about like orienteering through ROTC. And I was like, well, that's the same thing. Like you can like run for hours through the woods, take a compass trying to, you know, do whatever. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I convinced them to like, let me sign up for ROTC, which had to be at school even earlier than cross country. Um, so I ran, like I did all the um, like distance running for the physical competitions for ROTC. I did orienteering for ROTC my freshman year of high school. Wait, um, so, and I don't, what's funny is that I did ROTC in college, but I didn't do JROTC in high school. Oh yeah. And so I don't I, know, I, like what is the distance? Um, so you say, so, I'm getting realized, like, the army standard, I think it's like two miles for a run, but I don't know what the junior yeah. guys do. You know, if we're being honest, I don't really remember <laughs> um, <laughs> because yeah. And then, so the next year, um, there was a high school that opened up closer to my house and my parents were sick of driving me to school at like four in the morning for ROTC. And I didn't really want to do it. 
And so they let me join cross country. Um, so I did cross country and track. But I ran my first marathon, though, that year that I was in ROTC because um, I just wanted to keep distance running at home. And I found out I was like online on runnersworld.com or something. I was like a 14 year old and like was reading about people who ran marathons. And I was like, this sounds cool. Like, I want to do that. Um, what's, what's funny is they say you can do anything as a type one diabetic, but join the military. So it's funny that right, right <laughs> after you got diagnosed, you ended up on you know the ROTC team. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, like thinking about that, um, I just, I mean, I thought, I don't know if this was true at the time, but in retrospect, like I, diabetes never even crossed my mind during those like time, that time in my life, you know, like, um, really? I always had, I was like, I was like, when I was, had a kind of unique experience in that I was like one of those kind of OCD uh, overachieving teenagers. And I had really good control cause I was kind of like obsessive about it. Um, yeah. But I was never like I never remember like worrying that my blood sugar was going to go low during an orienteering meet where they would just kind of like turn us out in the woods for hours. Um, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if I was being like negligent or if I've just blocked it out or like you know if I really went low and just like don't remember. And did you carry uh, sugar on you? I I must have. I think I did. It's um, funny the things that you forget about your childhood. Yeah, I know. Um, I definitely. So when we started training for the first marathon, you know, I was 14. I was a freshman in high school. I went up to my dad and I said, hey, like, this would be cool. And my dad, like, um, it was a triathlete and, like, had done Ironmans or done an Ironman in the past. And so, you know, a marathon to him was kind of like small potatoes. So he was like, okay, yeah, we can, like, train for it. Like, if you train well, we can sign up. Um, and I made him carry all my diabetes supplies cause I didn't want to carry my diabetes supplies. <laughs> so I was like a 14 year old kid and I was running, you know, without anything. And he like had this big belt full of like my meter and like my, like, um, my goo and, you know, my glucagon or whatever. So you carried a glucagon pen or he did. Um, I feel like it, I, you know, maybe at first I definitely don't do that now. Um, a lot of Honestly, times when I talk to people, I ask them how low they would have to get in order to give themselves one of those. Yeah. I've I, never, so I've far, never. the answer is they couldn't because they'd have to pass out and someone else would have to do it. Right. Exactly. Um, and my understanding is that it's like a fairly awful experience to receive a glucagon injection. Like you get, you wake up very nauseous and oh, you feel yeah. terrible. And, um, I posted about it once and I think someone commented about how they did it intentionally to like see what would happen. Yeah. No, oh, that sounds terrible. Oh, yikes. Yeah. So it's not, it's, you know, something to be avoided. It's not. <laughs> so you're um, a future doctor, so you can talk about yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So I think like glucagon by itself doesn't do that, but people think that it's like the speed at which it raises your blood sugar mm-hmm. um, and kind of like the overload of glucagon that leads to the like nausea and vomiting and feeling yeah. terrible. Um, and so I didn't mean to interject you, but how did your first marathon go? It went really well. Um, I ran a 4.15, um, which, you know, um, is among my faster marathon times. I, um, you know, I remember being really, really, really nervous. Like, I was so nervous um, because I was kind of like an anxious kid. And then, you know, I still have performance anxiety about, like, distance runs. Like, even training runs. Like, I get, like, very nervous the day before about, you know, oh, my gosh, am I going to be able to make it? Like, it's so long. (laughs) Um, But the marathon itself went well. I um, ran it with my dad. I remember his legs kind of cramped up towards the end. So I think we walked for, like, 
a half mile at like mile 24. Um, but yeah, it was good. <laughs> That's awesome to have someone to run with though. Like someone to show you like, you know, how manageable that distance is. Yeah. So I've actually, um, I ran that marathon with my dad and then we ran it again, the same marathon. It was the Austin marathon. Um, we ran that again the next year. And then I didn't run another marathon until college, but I, um, ran three in college and every year he would fly out to run the, um, marathon with me. So that was cool. And did you finish like high school with cross country? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I was on, um, it was on like varsity track and cross country sophomore and junior year. And then senior year, I kind of decided I was over it and almost quit, but then decided to be JV captain instead. <laughs> um, so, it was like, a yeah. lot of pressure. What is it like being type one on a cross country team full of, you know, a bunch of stallions that don't have to worry about their blood sugar? Yeah, I remember. So I had, you know, I've been doing it so long and like had been doing it so long, even as like a 16 year old that I had a pretty solid like system nailed down for practices. Um, But I remember one time, um, like we had gotten done with a practice and my coach was trying to be really motivational. And he was like, Oh, you guys like, um, I forget exactly what he said. He was like, you guys, you know, you think this is hard. Like Jordan's out here and she could die every day. You know, this is so <laughs> much harder for her. And I was so embarrassed. I was like, Oh my God. Like, you know, my friends don't even know I have di- like diabetes. Like, you know, this is not, I don't want to be a martyr. Like this is really weird. Yeah. Um, but so that was kind of strange. I don't know like how much other people knew. I think I went to great lengths to kind of try and like hide it and not talk about it. Um, but I remember we would like have, you know, giant like pasta dinners the night before and like the Friday before Saturday races, like the moms would like make these like awful, awful goodie bags full of like, tea, like just like the worst possible, like fast acting carbs you can yeah. think of. Um, and like they'd bring like donuts for breakfast and like, you know, like I eat high carb now, like I have no problem objectively with these things, but I remember like always being so frustrated that we were fed such awful food and my blood sugars were always like 200 the day before a race. Um, and so that was hard and like trying to like, you know, cause you're with all these kids who are like eating whatever without kind of like a thought about it. And I'm like, no, like I kind of be putting better stuff in my body if I have to go run tomorrow are you a fan of the office i know i've already made one yes office oh my gosh. so i'm visualizing michael scott about to run the diet or the yes, 5k like, for <laughs> the 5k for rabies yes the, the cure for the disease that's already been cured <laughs> and he's like eating it he's eating chicken alfredo like minutes before he starts the 5k exactly um, that's what I, I yeah. visualize a bunch of high school students just chowing down on Boston, kind of like <laughs> 10 hours before they race, which right. at least that's better than before we start. I tend to, I tend to carb load like no later than lunch. And then I'll eat like mm-hmm. a regular size meal the night before okay. only because I feel like if I eat a huge meal, I'm carrying it around with me. Yeah. I've gotten kind of, especially in, so I, my running strategy has changed so much. Um, from like high school to like college and then to med school. But I, in med school, like maybe it's because like, I don't really have time to like, you know, um, plan my meals super ahead of time. And I usually just end up eating whatever is in my fridge. And usually whatever is in my fridge is just a bunch of like vegetables or something. Um, and so I feel like I haven't like for my past two marathons, I haven't really like 
tried to carve up for anything like that. Um, but I do like eating pizza the night before a long run. And I feel like a lot of like type one diabetics in general are like afraid of pizza. And like, sometimes I'm afraid of pizza, but, um, I find that it works pretty well for the night before a long run. What is Um, there, what is there to be afraid of pizza? Yeah. So like like for people, maybe someone brand, like maybe someone's brand new and they don't know. Right. Like Um, why everyone's always like talking about how pizza makes them so high. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's like a tricky food, right? Because it's so high carb and it's so high fat. Um, you, it's really hard to time the insulin dose with the absorption of the carbs. And so what ends up happening for me and for, I think a lot of people is, you know, the bolus and, um, even if you pre, especially if you pre bolus, actually, um, you end up, the insulin kind of hits you before the food and then you end up going low and then maybe you correct for that low. Um, and you're fine. But what happens is like four, five, six, seven, eight hours later, you end up getting this huge load that has been delayed from all the fat in the pizza and you end up like 400. Um, yeah, like a huge high. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's exacerbated if you went low from the insulin dose and tried to correct for that. Yeah. And so it's just a timing issue. Um, I, one of the cool things or one of the things that I like um, is that um, my endocrinologist is like, like very, progressive and like very much involves me in my care partially because I'm a medical student and partially because he's just a really good doctor. Um, but he sent me this article, like a, like a scientific research study on how to bolus for pizza. Um, <laughs> and it was so helpful and I had no problem like bolusing for pizza after that. You got to um, send it to me. Yeah. I'll put, it, I'll put it in the show notes for everyone listening. I promise yeah, it'll be in the show really, notes. It's really dense, but basically what it boils down to is like, give some of it now and then give X percent over this period of time. And it's just, it works like a charm. Yeah. Um, and so, so you're yeah. on a pump. So it's relatively easy for you to do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm on pins. I'm visualizing like how many injections I'll have to give myself in order yeah. to like spread this out. I know that's, that's <laughs> kind of, kind of more difficult. Yeah. It's the only um, downside of the pins is that, you know, you have to actually physically inject yourself for split dosages. It's not yeah. like it's not the luxury of just pulling something out of your pocket or off your hip. So, yeah, but right. So college, you so college, ran, yeah. yeah. So you yeah. ran in college, and I did. And I, I know you're technically still in school, but undergrad into graduate, type one run comes. When did you start mm-hmm. your type one run chapter? And talk a little bit about maybe why you t- decided to open it. And yeah, like kind of how so- that's gone for you guys. Of course. Um, so then two different chapters, I guess. In college, I, you know, I wanted to run, but I didn't really want to run competitively. I kind of just wanted to run for fun. Um, and USC was awesome in that it had a, mar- like a club sport marathon team. Um, and it was open to anybody affiliated with the university. And I ran on that all four years. Um, I was a captain, like sophomore, junior year. And then I was like the head captain senior year. Um, and that was really cool. One of my like co-captains was also type one diabetic. Um, yeah. So we were on marathon team together for over a year before we realized, before I realized he was also diabetic and he realized that I was diabetic. No way. Um, yeah. Um, it was like, cause you, I mean, you just must've not ever talked to him then. Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked, we were like friends. Um, but I mean like not uh, like, Like I just didn't talk about it and he didn't talk about it. And so like, it wasn't until like our zillionth pasta dinner together that I just like 
happened to see him pull out an insulin pen. Um, and I was like, wait, like what? Like, um, so yeah, I mean, it was just like, not, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I was always, um, I, so kind of like going back to the weird connection thing. Um, like I've, I feel like I've always been surrounded by other type one diabetics. Like, um, one of my good friends in college, I met her like first week we lived in the dorms together. Um, we like a bunch of people who didn't really know each other that well, like went to a football game and she pulls down a meter and starts checking her blood sugar. And I'm like, wait, like what is happening here? And she's like, Oh yeah, I was diagnosed like a month ago, like right before I started college. And like, I actually ended up rooming with her. Our other roommate's dad was a type one diabetic. And so she was like, Oh, I love the smell of insulin. It reminds me of home. And like, it was just, you know, I had the other type one diabetic marathon team. And so it's like the, you're like the little kid in the sixth sense. Right. Yeah. I'm like, I see diabetics. Exactly. <laughs> like a magnet, um, which is unfortunate for those around me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we actually had two type one captains of the marathon team. And then we had type one diabetic on the marathon team. And so, so that was cool. So I kind of feel like I've always been doing type one run in that sense. Um, but then. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. type one runs stealer. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, the true hashtag goes to you and to you, Craig and James. We promise. Um, yeah. Um, wait. So does, does being a captain on that team involve like training plans? Yes. Yeah. So I had to come up with a training plan. Um, Ooh, talk and to me about that. Recruiting people and I'm sorry. I think you cut out. How do you convince people to join the marathon team? And then when you do, yeah. how do you create training plans for the group? Right. So our training plan was it would start in September and it would go till March. So that's like, um, you know, in like nine months or something ridiculous. Um, and so we would start with like really sh- small, like two mile runs, like twice a week, um, every year. Like we would start at something very accessible. We would have these huge group. We even had like preseason practices. So the people who like weren't even comfortable with running two miles could come. Um, and we would do that. We would like advertise heavily on campus. Um, we would try to get people to come out just to give it a shot and see what it was all about. Um, and I don't know, I think, so obviously I'm like passionate about running, but one of the, um, one of the reasons I'm passionate about it is because I think that like, I so strongly believe that anybody can do it. And there's so many people who tell me that like, Oh, running is not my thing. Oh, my body is just not, I'm just not a runner. I don't have it in me. My body is not made for that. Um, I'm, you know, I'm an anaerobic exercise person. Um, and that's just not like, I don't believe that to be true personally. And it's like not biologically true. Um, like, yeah, I've met a lot of people that say they're not a runner, but they also don't like going to the gym either. I'm like, well, you gotta be something. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And so you fall somewhere. You might as well run. Yeah. And so that's where all my motivational pep talks really come from. It's a place of like, like you can do this. Um, It's hard, but it gets easier. And the more you do it. And yeah. um, Anyway, so there's like, do you watch BoJack Horseman? No, but I I visualizing, I know it's like the Netflix show and 
I think there's like a person with a horse's head or something like that. Yeah, sort of. There's like an anthropomorphic horse. Um, he, but there's this um, like really quick like throwaway moment at the end of the episode where he like tries to go running because he's like trying to get his life back on track and like it's really hard. And this guy who he sees out running every day, he's like, it gets easier, but you got to do it every day. That's the hard part. Um, and like, that's the, it's just so, I mean, it applies to like so many things in life, but it's so true of running because like your body adapts so beautifully to the task that you give it. And like, whether you're diabetic or not, like the more you get out there, the better you get at it. And it really like, the only effort is like getting out the door and putting one foot in front of the other, like your body does the rest and that's incredible. And so, but you're running outside of these two mile runs to begin with though, right? Um, so I, I would be, um, but the training plan was such that like, even if you weren't, um, it was okay. And I did one of my marathon runs, one of my marathons in college, I, um, ran it. It was not a great time, but I ran it only running, running one long run per week just cause I was like burnt out and didn't really feel like going to the weekday practices that I was in charge of hosting. So you didn't run it off except the long run every week. Exactly. And it's possible. It's, you know, mm-hmm. marathoning is a mental game. Yeah. So you probably it was, avoided injury that way. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I, it's not a strategy I would recommend for avoiding injury because you don't want to go out too fast. What was your time? It was, I think it was, you know, I would have to look it up, but it was like five something. It was not, it was not beautiful. Um, and then what maybe, was your, yeah, what was your longest training run for that? Um, 22. Ugh. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm running. Uh, See, I'm kind of the more the closer I get to my marathon next month, the more I'm dreading yeah. it because I, I don't think I'll run. I think my longest run will be an 18 or a 20 miler, and I might do like back to back 15 or 18 milers, but I don't know if I'll ever do a 22. Yeah, and I think that's totally appropriate. I think that it, to a large extent, the only purpose the 22 serves is like the mental like safety net of like, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. Um, I think that fitness wise. Um, anything above 18 is kind of the same and 15 back to back is like more than sufficient. Good. It's coming yeah. from the mouth You'll of a coach. Okay. I feel good about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And so I didn't think I was going to run another marathon, um, in med school. I, you know, ran a bunch, I'd run five. I was like, that's a nice, like not an even number, but it's a nice clean number. Yeah. Um, count it on one I, hand. Yeah, it's like I can take a break. I can like focus on like my career and like things like that. Um, but then I saw like about a little over a year ago, I saw the like ad pop up for like, are you diabetic? Do you like? Do you want to be on type one team? Like, do you want to run a marathon in New York with a team of type one diabetics? And I was like, oh, that's relevant to my interests. Um, so I'm glad you brought it up because I have a lot yeah. of questions. Talk yeah. about. Where did you see that? Was that on? Because if you look, like if you stalk all the way to the bottom, you know, beyond yeah. type of run, which is right. not really an organization as much as it is, you know, movement, but it, it mm-hmm. starts all the way back with um, Mary Lucas. And so, yeah, like if she's the first to ever hashtag it. Um, and so how long after that do you think you found it? And then how soon after that were you running in New York? Yeah. So I think I found it in like, mid February of last year. And it came up as I was not plugged in to like the diabetes Instagram at all. Um, So I I was not plugged into the diabetes online world. The closest thing I had 
was, um, you know, Marie, nerds, nerds can fight. Um, no. It's okay if you don't. Yeah. So she, um, I feel like, um, is this like beacon of light in the diabetes Instagram community. And she was actually my camp counselor at diabetes camp. Um, I mean, not my camp counselor. I was her camp counselor. I don't know why I said that. Um, she was my camper at diabetes camp back in the day. And so every so often I would see her post about diabetes online and I would see her like shout out other diabetic Instagrams, but I did, I did had no idea that whole world was out there. Um, is it because you didn't so, want to see it or because you just didn't think that it would have It was not something I much. ever looked for. You just never thought just, about it. It wasn't even, yeah, I was not. You know, I didn't really talk about diabetes. I didn't really think about diabetes. I didn't really seek out. I knew other people in real life with diabetes, but I didn't really seek out anybody else. Um, and I think maybe that's where it came from is the fact that I have a really robust, like, in-person community of other type 1 diabetics that if yeah. I have questions, I could ask. Um, it's but, so funny because I think I have probably the opposite. Yeah. And, I think and that's, my, that's why if I get on my Instagram, it's basically just screenshot after screenshot of people's Dexcom. <laughs> it's like, right. dude. Well, yeah. now when I get on my Instagram, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, but at the time, you know, and so what happened was it was a suggested ad. And I, I think it was on Instagram, but it might've been on like Facebook or Google or something, but it was like a suggested ad and it was like beyond type one's website. Um, and I was like, oh, interesting. And I had never really heard of Beyond Type 1. Like, they weren't really on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I wasn't going to sign up for it because, um, like, I knew I was in my third year, or, like, I was starting my third year of medical school rotations, which are, like, notoriously, like, the toughest and busiest year. And I was like, well, like, I won't have time for that. The marathon is during my surgery rotation, and, like, they won't probably even like give me time off. I don't really want to train during these really hard rotations where I have to work like 80 hours a week in the hospital. Um, and then also be running like 22 miles on the weekend. Um, but I'm not, I'm good at, or I'm bad at saying no to things and I'm good at taking on a lot. And I was like, well, we'll see what happens. And so, um, you have to like make a video to apply and I think some people got like really creative with their videos and I, I just kind of like sat and word vomited out into my laptop um, and like sent it in. Um, and I was kind of hoping I didn't get it because I knew I was going to be really busy. Did they give you like guidelines for what the video should be like or? So it was like, just tell us who you are um, and why you want to run the marathon with beyond time one basically. Yeah. Um, and like your running experience and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um wow, it would be actually really interesting to go back and watch that video because I was in such a different place, like with regards to like diabetes and like advocacy yeah. and like talking about it. Um, I wonder what I said. It's on YouTube. I think it's a public video. Um, it's on YouTube. If, oh, yeah. I'm searching for <laughs> um, it now. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> I feel like I have to go Google it and be to the lunch. Um, I'm going to put it in the show notes and then but, I'm also um, going to post it on type one runs <laughs> webpage. I'm excited. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, so you I send it in and they select you and then how yeah. soon after you found out that you got selected were like, did you have to fly to New York? So we didn't go to New York until November. We found out that we were selected in uh, like March. I want to say so like this time yeah. last year. Um, and then things were kind of, you know, so like from March to November, that's like a solid eight months, which is, 
you know, plenty of time to train for a marathon, especially um, if you have a good running base. And so, like, I was still a casual runner. Like, I was running, like, three or four miles, like, three or four times a week. And so I had a pretty solid, like, fitness base. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really start training for it for a long time. And a lot of those early days were kind of just, like, you know, there's 17 of us on the team. Gosh, I hope it was 17. I think it's 17. 17 of us on the team um, kind of just, like, connecting online and, like, getting to know each other and, like, talking about training strategies. But, um you know, we kind of all started training at our own pace. Like we didn't have a schedule that we followed for the team because we were all coming from like very different places. Yeah. And there was no, like, there's no like pressure to get a certain goal, like time or anything like that. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and so I think training really started kicking up in, I announced that I was training in May. Um, and that was kind of a big deal because it was like kind of, it was like almost like a coming out, um, like as a diabetic on when I announced that I was training on social media, because I think a lot of people I was Facebook friends with, like didn't know I was diabetic. Um, yeah, I mean, my family knew and like my diabetic friends, my friends from diabetes camp, like, but yeah, well, it's funny that it took you 10, 12, 13 years, something like that. It took me till today. Actually, today was the first time I think I ever posted anything on my personal Facebook about diabetes. And I I shared a video from Beta Cell Podcast of kittens that are slowly trying to walk away while the person rallies them in. And it says managing diabetes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Um, Yeah. So I like I wrote this like big long thing about like, oh, I'm diabetic. I'm training for the marathon. Like this is what it means to me. You know, we had a fundraising goal that we all had to meet. Um, and so I, I, I wrote that for my fundraising page basically. Um, and I don't know that I would have written it if it wasn't for my fundraising page. Yeah. Um, was the fundraising so that you could go or was it so, uh, was so it like a, a charitable donation that enabled you guys donation. to be paid to go? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would have really felt comfortable raising money for like my own travel funds, but, yeah. um, it is kind of unfortunate that we had to like pay our own way to go yeah. to New York and stay in New York at the like busiest weekends of New York City. So you still um, pay you pay for your own trip still though. We pay for our own trip. They were able to um we did get a discount on a hotel mm-hmm. and like a group discount um through Beyond Type One. Yeah. And then um they did feed us a lot while we were there, like Beyond Type One Fest. So that well, was nice. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so I announced that I was training in May and then kind of took my sweet time building up a base. So I announced that I was training. Um, my boyfriend was the one who like really encouraged me to apply to this because I was kind of on the fence about it. And he was one of those people who was like, I'm not a runner. Running is not for me. Um, but I had kind of been running more and I was kind of starting to like get more into training. And he was had kind of started running on his own. Like he had gotten himself from the point where he couldn't even run a mile to the point where he could like run three semi comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came home one day and he was like, I signed up for the Dallas marathon. And I was like, Oh, like really? Like you've run three miles once. And you know, this is like a huge, you went from zero to hundred, like real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, like I want, I think I can do it. I want to do it. And so we actually ended up training, together because the um the new york marathon was in november and the dallas marathon was in december um and so that was cool because it kind of gave me like 
a real life training buddy. Um, even though I had all these training buddies online, you know, all the beyond type one teammates were in different cities. And so, um, it was nice to have a training partner, um, kind of at home. And so wait, so that race was before New York. It was after New York actually. Oh, okay. Um, so it was five weeks after New York. Um, and we can talk about New York. I still haven't talked about New York, but I actually ended up also running the Dallas marathon with him. I didn't plan to, I signed up for it like eight days before the actual race itself. Um, but you felt recovered. Why not? Cause I felt, yeah, I felt recovered. I actually, I ended up PRing, um, at the Dallas marathon. Um, what? and what yeah. was that? Share your PR so that we can all yeah. be jealous. It was three fifty nine. Nice. Um, so right under that four hour <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's like eight fifty miles, eight fifty five miles, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, so it was cool, and I think what happened was I had kind of let go of any like self inflicted pressure because mm-hmm. it was not my marathon. I had kind of signed up for it on a whim. I hadn't, you know, I had trained weirdly for it because I had run a marathon five weeks ago, and like I was kind of grappling with like, well, do I start tapering? Do I keep training? Like, what do I do? Um, and so I kind of just like let go of all of that and like ran. And it turned out really well. It turns out that like you should just kind of stop freaking out about stuff and let things happen. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good life lesson. So we're back in New York. Talk yeah. about running with 16. You said there were 17 of you. So 16 other type ones. Right. Exactly. You know, you're all on different paces, I'm guessing on your own. Yeah. So I think, um, it, I think the really unfortunate thing about the New York city marathon is, how crowded it is um like i don't this is not i don't mean to discourage anybody but i i I literally don't think i would run that specific marathon again purely for that reason um because i think a lot of us on the team had fairly similar paces like i know that marcy um marcy and i finished within like two minutes of each other i never saw her ever because it was so crowded um and they have you so like staggered in different starting areas mm-hmm. um and the actual like the first six or eight ish miles of the course is actually three separate routes because it's otherwise it would just be so like clogged and congested that people would just be crawling for the first six to eight miles wow. um and even even once it merges once the course is kind of merged like it doesn't get less crowded like even though the crowds have thinned because everyone is kind of like spread out to their own pace when the three emerge, it's just as crowded as it was at the beginning. So you're constantly passing and being passed. It it was terrible. I was always caught behind somebody like trying to dodge people. Um, I think that was actually like a big factor in like the, just there's like a 30 minute discrepancy between my time in New York and my time in Dallas. And they were run five weeks apart. And I think it's purely because, like it was just crowded. See, I think that would help me in New York because it would keep me engaged and I could just sit there and dodge people and forget that I'm running. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So I think, um, one of the things that I realized in my other marathons, like in my LA marathons, um, so I've run the Austin marathon twice. I've run the LA marathon three times. I've run New York and I've run Dallas. So big city marathons. Um, but one of the things I noticed in the LA marathon is I would get to the end of the race and my like run keeper, I don't use run keeper, but my like map, my run, um, would say like 28 miles or 27.5 miles. And yeah. I'm like, well, how do I tack on all this extra and ducking and bobbing and weaving and like trying to go around people yeah. adds up over 26 miles. And That's so cool. I was really, cog- yeah, I was really cognizant of that during New York. And so I was like, well, I don't want to like 
zigzag too much because I, you know, the, I'm already going to be tired. I don't need to run an extra two miles just to like pass people. Yeah. Um, so I was like really trying to hold back and not zigzag. And so you never saw, there were people staged on the course to like take pictures of you guys though, right? There were. Yeah. And so, um, the, um, Libby from, um, I have the sugars mm -hmm. organized a watch party at mile eight, I think. Um, and so a bunch of the beyond type one people were there. Um, my, my sister flew out from marathon and she was there at mile eight. So I got to see her then. Um, so did yeah. you speed up? Did you speed up as you ran past? Yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> um, so like, oh, look how fast I'm going. I know. I felt bad. I didn't like Mary like stopped and like hugged everybody and I like didn't stop. <laughs> I felt bad in retrospect. Well, hey, you know, you're focused. That's what they brought you there for, you know, to be a, yeah, exactly. a focused driven runner. Yeah, and it you know, like shows everyone, you know, hey, type one's are just runners too. We're just trying to finish this thing. Right, exactly. And um, so you you come back, you know, you run Dallas five weeks later. At what point did you find type one run? And has yeah. that helped like the running scene in Dallas? And like, have you been able to find new type ones in your area to run with? Yeah. So at some point, I can't remember if it was like right before the marathon, right after the marathon, between the marathons, but sometime near the end of last year, um, like James and Craig started hitting me up saying like, hey, like, you know, you're running, you're in Dallas, like you should start a type one run group. And I was like, oh, they, like I'm so busy, man. They hit me up, yeah. Stalkers. Um, I like it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was kind of, I mean, I was just like, hey, like, you know, I have a lot going on. I can't commit to hosting, like, weekly runs, basically. Yeah. Um, but this is actually, I'm glad you asked this question because it brings up, like, I totally forgot to mention this part of the story, is when I announced that I was training for the marathon, I was on my ambulatory care rotation, um, which is, like, basically a rotation where you go to, like, a bunch of outpatient um, doctor's offices and learn how to manage like medical subspecialties and things like that, like endocrinology. Um, yeah. and because it's outpatient and it's kind of like a little bit more of like an eight to five schedule, there's a real focus on like med student wellness and they tried to get med students to host, um, like wellness activities. And so one of my friends was kind of like almost being cornered in a way by the director of that and was like, Hey, do you have any ideas for wellness activities? And she was like, well, Jordan could host a run like Jordan runs and she hosts, you know, she's like used to lead group runs in college. So she could host a run. Um, and so, bus. yeah. And so that was right after I had announced the marathon training journey. And so the director of the clerkship was like, Hey, like, do you want to host a run for medical students? And I was like, yeah, you know, I can post about my training journey, like maybe get some publicity and help with fundraising. And so I started hosting monthly runs for medical students. Um, and you know, the ambulatory care clerkship, like the students would turn over every six weeks and I would come back and host a run for them like once every four to six weeks or so. Um, and so that was really cool. Like I had a lot of like really amazing support from like some of the doctors in uh, EC Southwestern and like, um, where I go to medical school and like my medical, my fellow medical students. Um, and so I was already hosting these like four to six week runs and then January rolled around. So it was after New York marathon, after the Dallas marathon. And I was kind of just sitting at home one day and, you know, type one run has, I feel like has really started to pick up in 2018. Um, and so I was like on Facebook and like somebody was posting about some new type one run chapter and I was like sitting there trying to pick a date for my next med student group run. And I was like, oh, 
like I should just make it a type one red thing. Um, and there's this like this is so this story is so many moving parts. Like I'm sorry if it's scattered, but also no, kind of fine. yeah. Last year I had run into this other runner on like one of the trails here in Dallas who was wearing a Dexcom, and I was like, oh hey, like you're wearing a Dexcom. I also you know wear a CGM. Wait, so um, you, you pull a 180 and you start running behind this guy like a yeah. So it was this girl and I stopped her at oh, the girl. water fountain and I was like, hey, like cool, like me too. Um, and she was telling me about this group that she runs with. And so she runs with this group called the Diabetes Exercise Alliance um, in Dallas. The DEA. And the DEA, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and she, um, you know, she, the, like, it was there's this really weird series of events where I posted about on Instagram. I was like, oh, I, you know, I met this other diabetic runner on a trail. She was telling me about this relay race that she does um, with other type 1 diabetics. And like somebody saw that my friend Marie saw it and she knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who was like the head of the DEA who knew this girl. It's out that the head of the diabetes exercise Alliance is this like crazy, like amazing, crazy ultra runner, like guy named Don Muchow who last year and at the time I met him, he was training for a 238 mile solo ultra marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he is kind of the head of the big diabetes exercise alliance, like yeah. group of type one endurance athletes yeah, in he's Dallas. Awesome. I think he's about yeah. to run across the state of Iowa. So no big yeah, deal. <laughs> yeah. I know he's training for it. And so he, um, was kind of the like spearhead of the type one diabetes endurance athlete community here in Dallas. And so I ended up getting connected with him on Facebook at the end of last year through this girl that I had just so happened to run into on the trail. Um, and then it was just kind of like, everything kind of fell into place. Like he was like, Hey Jordan, can you connect me with beyond type one? And then he found out about type one run. And then he individually reached out to James and then James reached out to me and I reached out to him and we all kind of like, they decided to merge type one run in Dallas with the diabetes exercise Alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time that like Don was talking to Sarah Lucas of beyond type one and um, like type one run became a part of beyond type one. It's so uh, funny to get your perspective of the story. Cause I've kind of gotten pieces of this from other people yeah. kind of from everywhere else, you know, so yeah. it's super interesting to see your perspective of it. It was really interesting. I feel like everybody was talking to everybody independently, but they all had the same idea and then it all just kind of happened. Um, So kind of, and that's that's how it feels like for me is I was just like kind of sitting there like, Hey, like I'm game for whatever you guys decide. Um, Just let me know. And then, you know, um, type one run had become an official part of beyond type one. Don was going to start hosting or going to start like the official Dallas chapter um, but Don was kind of busy training for like his Iowa stuff um, and slash taking a break after his 238 solo run, uh, mile solo run, which was crazy. It was so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, hey, like I'm hosting this med student run. Um, I should just open it to type one diabetics in the community because we haven't had a formal type one run yet in Dallas. Um, and so I did that in January for the first time and it was really cool. Like Don came out, some of his, um, type one diabetic friends, like endurance athlete friends came out. Um, I had a bunch of med student colleagues come out. Um, it was just, it was really cool. Yeah. Do you have any new events planned? I, so I'm going to host one. 
I hosted one in January. The February one had to be rescheduled for March because of weather. I'm going to host one in April. I just don't know when. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I'm headed to Denver um, soon and I'm excited to get involved with them. I feel bad yeah. that the Southern Alabama chapter will die with my absence, but um, I think oh, you know, I'll bring a, what's that? You're heading to Denver like for good? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's exciting. Um, that's <laughs> Denver, cool. Boulder. Yeah. We're actually, we'll actually be in Boulder and you okay, know, I'll, cool. I'll probably just assimilate into the Denver community, but I don't, yeah, know, if that, yeah. I don't know if that drive will get old or you know, if it's only once a week, you know, that won't be a problem, but. Yeah, I don't, I'm my understanding. So when I was like really little, we used to live um, between Denver and Boulder. Um, my understanding is that it's like a decent drive. <laughs> yeah. Where, yeah. like, wait, what town in between? Because I'm looking uh, for jobs right now. So I'm getting real yeah. oriented with all these towns. Okay. We lived in Westminster. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, my sister was born in Boulder and then we moved back to California. <laughs> it was a all over the place. So Boulder is yeah, like the mecca of running. So I'm just excited to kind of get there and. Yeah, I feel like you. I'm gonna find people that have Dexcoms and run behind them and stalk them. Be like, "Hey, I'm John. Will you run with me?" Exactly. We've been my friends. We've so much in common. Can we talk about diabetes? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, my wife's not type one, obviously, and she's sick of hearing about it. Probably. So (laughs) that's how. Yeah. So that's been kind of a weird transition is to like talk about it so much my daily, or not even talk about it so much my daily life, but like to talk about it at all like by talking about it in my daily life, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, is this like, it's become very much more a part of um, how I think about myself, which has been kind of an interesting transition over the past years. I've started like posting about like diabetes and running and like talking about diabetes. Well, wait, how do you, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, how did you think yeah. about yourself before compared to now? I mean, I just feel like diabetes is not even like something, if you ask me to describe myself, like I think I would probably have listed a hundred things before I talked about diabetes. Yeah. Um, and like now it has become like not only this thing that is like important to me to like educate and advocate for, but also this thing that I like, like I actively think about my own blood sugar management, like more on a daily basis, I think, or I'm more aware of the fact that I'm thinking about it. It's just, it's just an interesting transition. Are your blood sugars better now than like two so, years ago? Or I mean, so I do think you even have that data? Med school. I, yeah, I think I have that that data. I didn't wear a CGM until I got to med school. Um, It was kind of this like big perspective shift that came from like training to be a physician and um, kind of understanding more um, like the, the magnitude of like what it means to have good blood sugars or have, um, or have blood sugars at target versus like not at target. Um, And kind of like more of what it means to like live with the disease and be responsible for managing a disease. And like, um, yeah. And I also like, I got hooked up with a really, a really, really good endocrinologist here in Dallas who has like changed my life. Um, what makes so. a great, so you have an interesting perspective on this. Cause I, yeah, I haven't encountered many endos yet, but mm-hmm. what, what makes a great endo? Yeah. So I think, I mean, there's no like one size fits all formula, unfortunately. We use yeah, and this isn't, it's not um, like an opportunity to bash yeah. on endos, but like if you could build the perfect endocrinologist. Right. And so I think that, yeah, part of this, this is like a very biased perspective because it also is very much informed by like what I think makes a good doctor as somebody mm-hmm. who like a year from now will be a doctor and is trying to one day be a good doctor. Yeah. Um, and so he really, um, 
like engages and empowers his patients to want to take part in their care. And so, and he is really good at calling out health behaviors um, and making you feel like the need to change your behaviors without making you feel bad about your behaviors, which is just like, gives you ownership. Yeah. uh, Without and like, like, and I want to like work with him to do better and to like achieve better blood sugars and better like A1C goals or whatever. Um, but like without feeling bad about like where I am in the moment. Um, and it's just like, he just strikes like this really good balance of getting you to change without making you feel bad about who you are. Yeah. Like you don't leave and never come back. Right. Exactly. And so like, as I really want to go into, um, I think I'm going to go into like broad spectrum primary care. And a big part of that is like dealing with people's health behaviors. Mm -hmm. And I really want to emulate my endocrinologist because he's just so good at working with people and getting them to care about themselves. I feel Um, like being a doctor after a while, it just has to wear you down though. Cause I mean, you have so many patients who come in and they maybe just don't care about their health. You know, maybe they, they know what they need to do. They just don't. I feel like it would be hard to be a doctor and just, like, you know exactly how to fix them, but they go home yeah. and they just don't listen to you. <laughs> right. And so I think, like, it is a challenge, like, learning how to bridge that gap. Um, one of the other things that I think that doctors and people, everybody kind of has to remember, is that typically the factors that go into somebody's health behaviors are, like, so much more, um, like, uh, detailed than you know, someone's just actual like behaviors at face value. Like it's informed by like their culture, their backgrounds, their resources, their socioeconomic status, um, their health knowledge, their health beliefs, like their barriers to care and things like that. And so there's so many like systemic issues at play. And as doctors, like you see the individual and it's really easy to be like, oh, well, like this person isn't doing the right thing. Um, but they might not know what the right thing is. They might not have the resources to do the right thing, you know, and on the surface, it looks like they don't care, but everybody cares. Like deep down, everybody cares about their health. Um, and so it's just getting to that point where you can meet the patient where they are and get them to realize that they care about their health. Um, I think that when I'm eating a burger and drinking a beer on a Friday night and I'm like, I care about my health, but just I I need to balance it with this. (laughs) Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, and everything in moderation too. Um, yeah, except running, just do a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also getting a, um, a master's degree in public health. So that's that talking when I talk about stuff like that. You're doing that simultaneously or it's like a byproduct of, um, simultaneously. I graduate in like a month. Um, is that something (laughs) most people do? That seems like not advised Um, to be like in med school. So can you do that? Cause I know like when you're in law school, you can't just like also be an undergrad you know what i mean right so it is um technically it's kind of a weird program at my school specifically it's commonly offered as like a dual program um there's about 10 people in my class that are concurrently earning a master's in public health so so it's designed to be at least manageable yeah so technically it's at two different schools um because it's at two different schools it's like a little (laughs) uh, you know yeah but um i've never met someone who being a doctor wasn't enough yeah. <laughs> yeah. I told you I was bad at saying no to things. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. It was just thing that 
am passionate about. And so I go do them, like running and public health and be yeah. a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't hold you too much longer, Jordan. I appreciate you coming on the show and kind of giving us some insight into Dallas and to type yeah. and run and kind of what it means to be grown up with type one from 12. I know mm. I, I always learn a lot when I talk to people that were diagnosed in their teens, just because I was fortunate enough to get to live those years without having to worry about it. And I think, yeah. I think about having had to have done that. And I can't imagine, you know, I mean, how resilient you'd have to be, but for you, it sounds yeah. like you didn't even worry about it. You're fine. It was, yeah, it's weird. I feel like just, yeah, yeah. I had a weird experience. Um, but you're a, you're like, a freak. <laughs> but it's kind of the same. Like I can't imagine being diagnosed as an adult. Like I feel like I would have a much more kind of emotional response being diagnosed as an adult. Like I would, yeah, I would kind of almost rather have it my way. Can you forward um, me all the hate mail you get from, I know, from I everyone know. <laughs> <laughs> just so I could see it, you know? I know. I'm really sorry. I don't want to offend oh, anybody. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, yeah. So the last section we'll call it, I call it tempo talk and I'll just shoot some fast questions at you and you can answer them as fast as you want. Okay. Or as slow as you want. Okay. And knowing you, if you want to go down a rabbit hole of another story of this one time <laughs> you met this person at Walmart and you stalked him for 20 minutes because you saw their Dexcom, that's fine. Right. Okay. Um, real sugar or artificial sweetener? Uh, real sugar. Every time? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm always curious, as, like, cause some people, they won't eat artificial sweetener, but some people, yeah. like, don't mix it in. They just don't choose not to. So or they choose not to. Yeah. I started baking with it recently. Um, it makes me feel less guilty about eating an entire loaf of pumpkin bread, but, ah. um, I don't think it offers like any nutritional benefit. Bolus, bolus, bolus. Yeah. Um, favorite pre-race meal. Favorite pre-race meal. Um, uh, banana and peanut butter. That's it. Like that morning, do bowls for it? Yeah, uh, it depends on when I. No, I don't bowls for it. Um, yeah, typically, like I will um try to not give insulin before a race, and so I will like not eat until thirty forty five minutes before I start running, so that I can avoid bolusing for it. Would you eat a bowl of oatmeal? 30 minutes before a race or no? Um, probably not just because I feel like from a normal person, like GI perspective, that wouldn't be a great uh, like, yeah. race strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You gotta do what works for you. I should look into that. I haven't yeah. really nailed down like a pre-race nutrition plan yet. Mm-hmm. I just kind of yeah. hoped that would figure itself out before I got yeah. to Nashville in April. Yeah, I like bananas and peanut butter. Um, I also like um, like the nut butter filled Cliff Bars. Those are good. Hmm. Um, I eat those while running a lot. Favorite food you eat a huge portion of if you are not type one? If I was not type one. Oh, God. I feel like... Um, a, I feel like I eat huge portions of food indiscriminately now. I, I don't think my eating habits would change <laughs> if I was not type one. Um, but I can totally devour a whole bag of tortilla chips in one sitting. And since being on auto mode, I haven't figured out how to bolus for that. And so that would be really nice if I could just eat a whole bag of tortilla chips without thinking about it. So ooh, <laughs> you mentioned something. I had wanted to talk about this and I forgot about it till now. Okay. What's being on auto mode like? Cause I have, yeah. I have the 670G and they've offered me the guardian sensors, but I told them, man, eh, don't worry about it. I'm not on the pump anymore anyway. Okay. <laughs> and so I don't know if I'll ever try it, but yeah. if you had an elevator speech to like try and convince me to get off pins and back on the pump, 
Right. And everyone else out there who's in that boat, what would that, what would that sound like? Right. So I actually had a really kind of prolonged discussion with Craig about this the other day where he was like, Oh, about it. And I think that one of the reasons that I have been able to have a good experience with it and be successful with it is because I have that endocrinologist that is really good at calling me out kind of like, I don't know if you're allowed to curse on this podcast, but he's like good at calling me out. Um, And um, he is able to tell me exactly what behaviors I need to change to do well on auto mode because it is such a paradigm shift. Pun not intended because the old pump is called paradigm. But like, yeah, give it, I need an example because I'm super curious now. Yeah. And so you can't. um, So a lot of the times in the past, I would underbolus for food, knowing that I was going to be like walking around a lot later or whatever. You cannot do that on auto mode. Like you can, you have to 100% give control over to the pump. You have to be 100% honest with your carb counting. You have to be 100%. Um, you can't try to make like all the micro adjustments that like you make when you're in charge. Um, Ooh, because I don't if know you if try, like right. It's a, it's a really hard behavioral shift. Um, but, but once, once you kind of surrender that control, the pump is really good. Um, and so you, you don't under bolus now because you know that if you do start trending lower, it'll have anticipated that and it'll have lowered your basal rate. Exactly. And if you under bolus, you just end up kind of like irreparably high forever. Um, I, I feel like I, and based on the way that it delivers insulin, I feel like by the time it recognizes that you're going low and it starts to lower your insulin rate, well, you already have a basal rate from 30 minutes ago that's going to take you low anyway. Or is it not actually how that right. ends up playing out? That's not how it ends up playing out. Um, I wish I could explain why to yeah. you. But <laughs> I um, I will say, like, I just, like, never go low anymore. Like, ever. Um, so... That's my plug for the pump. It's like I never go low. <laughs> and I sleep through the night. Yeah, other than getting your cord wrapped around you in the middle of the night. Other than that the, was uh, that was my problem. But I don't think really? everyone has that problem because other people sleep with clothes on. I don't know. Maybe I'm the weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> I really just tuck in my waistband and things are good. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, I'm bad. I roll a lot. I think I'm like a like I'm like a log, you know, like one of those logs that people yeah. dance and spin on in the middle of the night and I'm just like ah. I did have a problem once my cat chewed my pump site off when I was asleep, which is a disgusting story. It makes me sound like a crazy cat lady. But, it does um, make you sound like a crazy cat lady. Now you sound like Angela. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, low key, I'm kind of totally Angela. Um, but um, yeah, so my cat ripped it out in the middle of the night and I woke up super high and I was like, Wait, what happened? Did your cat get any insulin yeah. in its mouth, do you think? You know, um, probably, but... Um, insulin's a protein, so it just gets digested by the digestive enzymes in your saliva and gut. So, wait. So you're telling me if I put insulin in my mouth, it would not absorb into my bloodstream, and I would go yeah, <laughs> you, you you would digest it. You might even go high because it's you know technically like a calorie load. Um, but yeah, I don't think you would go high. That was an exaggeration. But so yeah, you, cal- so now there's calories in insulin. I gotta start yeah. counting the insulin calories. <laughs> um. Yeah. yeah, that's why you can't just take a pill because you digest it. That's why you have to take a shot or inhale it. You know what's – I must be an idiot because I never once thought about that. Really? Like, well, no, I think <laughs> one day like, I, yeah. I had my pen out and I had – like I had put a unit through it, you know, just because I'm a proper little diabetic before I inject. Right. And, you know, yeah. like a big old bubble forms on the end even when you're not pushing anything through it. And I right. had it down by my waist once 
because I was like talking to somebody or doing something and my dog started licking up at it. And I was like, whoa, whoa, no. You know? <laughs> I think maybe I was more scared that he would stab himself in the tongue with it. Yeah, that's fair. That's a real fear. <laughs> Um, I feel like I would I be afraid because it smells so bad that I just like my my like lizard brain is like, oh, this must be toxic. Yeah. But wait, um, insulin smells bad to you? I, I think it smells terrible. See, to me, it doesn't smell bad. It just smells yeah. like insulin. I yeah, once I mean, talked to fair, someone right? who didn't know what insulin smelled like. And they, they had been like a diabetic for 10 years. And I was like, wait, you Do must have like- some interesting. No- some people I think have interesting like nose and mouths. You know what I mean? Like it's very yeah. different. Like super tasters. They or don't hate broccoli. They just are super tasters and they can't stand to put broccoli in their mouth because it makes them throw up. Yeah. Weird. Um, yeah. Or like how some people think cilantro tastes like soap. Because um, yes. it's like a genetic mutation thing. Yeah. I saw a Facebook video on that once and then I spent yeah. the next half hour Googling it. It's real thing. <laughs> yeah. I, um, we're so far off of tempo talk. I'm going to get us back on track. Uh, okay. I promise. Good. Um Favorite low treatment, glucose tabs or real food? Uh, real food. I don't cannot tell you the last time I ate a glucose tab. It might have been like when I was first diagnosed. Yes, me either. Yeah. Um, however, I did not have any food yesterday, and I went low, and I had to drink one of those glucose drinks. Ew. I don't even know what that is. That's disgusting. You, I mean, yeah. it worked really well, though, because it actually enabled me to run through my low. Oh, okay. That's cool. Which yeah. I, have actually, I have actually never done that before, so I – was like 60 and dropping and I just, mm-hmm. I chugged it. It was 16 grams. I bought it at Walgreens. Kind of looked like a fire hour energy and it worked. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, Once again, I digress. Um, something <laughs> you wish everyone knew about type one. Um, that, um, <laughs> that it's not your grandma's diabetes. It's not the same thing. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to keep these answers short because I know. <laughs> like, Advice you have for someone who's like so close to messaging you on Facebook to join the Type 1 Run Dallas team. Um, oh, my God. But they're hesitant. Yeah. And, you know, because like you said before, they're not a runner. I've never done this. My body's not built for it. Advice you'd have for someone, you know, who's Type 1 and wants to run or yeah. you know, is already a runner and just got diagnosed. Um, my advice is that you are 100% capable of it, um, that you should not be afraid to reach out and find people because chances are that there's people who are just as beginner, just as self-conscious as you. Um, and in general, I think the running community, and especially the type one running community, is so accepting and welcoming and non-judgmental and everybody's just out there to do good for themselves and their bodies and have a good time, um, that you should not be afraid to get out there and start running because that's how you get good at it and that's how you start enjoying it is you just get out there and start doing it and yes. it'll happen. Perfect. Um, working followers follow you and keep up with Jordan and her next iteration with Beyond Type Run's team. <laughs> I, yeah. don't know, I don't know if you plan on running with them again, but um, um, where's the best place so to follow you? I don't know you? if I'm allowed. I, don't, I think they might like not let us apply. I was talking to Chewy Lamb about it, and yeah. um, he said they wouldn't let him apply. <laughs> are they Are they doing it again this year? They're doing it again. They actually just announced today that they are taking um, – actually, this is a great plug. They just announced today that they are taking applications. They're open for a week. Um, and if you are type 1 diabetic and interested in running the New York City Marathon, you can send in your 60-second video to be embarrassingly forever on YouTube. I'm super um, type 1, so I'm going to 
I'm going to yeah. make a video. Dude, you should apply. <laughs> um, we'll see. I'll let all the listeners apply first. I'm sure there's there's people much more deserving <laughs> to go to New York. You got to hang back and let everybody else have their moment. Yeah. Um, and so Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. Um, I don't have Twitter. I have an Instagram. It's at George Hose. And so my name is Jordan Hosey. So it's the first four letters of my first and last name. Um, and uh, I, I guess I have a, I don't really have a Facebook page or anything like that. It's really just Instagram. Yeah. But Type but, 1 Run Dallas has a Facebook page and they could find it. Oh, yeah. Type 1 Run Dallas does have a Facebook page. Um, the Diabetes Exercise Alliance is like the same Facebook page as Type mm-hmm. 1 Run Dallas. And yeah. I post all my events there. Oh, nice. Are you on Strava or Nike Run Club? Anything like I'm that? I'm on Nike Run Club. I have like one friend, and they are actually a friend from Diabetes Instagram. Oh, um, so get, friendly, more friends. You got to get Strava. I know everyone keeps telling me that. So I'm a late adopter, and I really don't like change. Um, and so it took me a long time to like even get to Nike Running Club, and so it'll probably be another like seven years before I'm got to get used to change one day you're going to be like in 20 years you're going to be a doctor they're going to cure type one and you're going to be like nah, I remember in my day when I know. you had to give injections and I think I'm that's like, how you should do it exactly that's totally gonna be. I'm, yeah well I'm going to force you to change and get Strava so that I can see all your runs and compare myself <laughs> to you how slow I am okay probably not I don't know <laughs> well Jordan thanks so much for coming on the show yeah thank you so much for having me this is awesome Hey guys, so that wraps up today's show. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. It's an incredible way to get fresh episodes delivered straight to your phone every week. If you think you or anyone you know would be a perfect interviewee for the show, make sure to reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at type one run podcast or at type one run.org slash podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys again next week. Train hard, train happy, and leave no ones behind.